0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Good evening and welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Fuller-Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And tonight on the program, we're talking about fashion with Sharna Zucker and Jacqueline Harris of I Love Tyler Madison. They will be along shortly. We'll also have Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist on the program later, to talk about privacy and uh, tech privacy.
2: Privacy, uh, you know, so many things being online, so, many, so much data getting lost, So, so many people exchanging information uh privacy is absolutely huge could probably spend several shows on it, but we'll spend a few minutes at the end of the show just to talk about that challenge for entrepreneurs. I'm sure we'll have a Twiddle note to this week in data loss. We will have something, although they're becoming so frequent, it's hard to <laughs> hard to just list them all or find the one that's going to affect a lot, but uh, I'm sure we'll have our, our Twiddle notes as well. Uh,
1: Shar- uh, Sharma, uh, sorry, Charna uh, uh, Sharna and Jacqueline are coming up in a little bit, uh, but for and also some entrepreneurial news. Uh, but first, we're doing this question of the week where where you help guide me and and my team as, as fairly new entrepreneurs entrepreneurs through the, uh, the maze of entrepreneurship and um, so Evernet we're gonna ask a question it's, it's on our uh, on Facebook pages as well on Fullers and provocateurs and uh, so the question is from uh, Camille who's uh, our one of our junior consultants uh, uh, on the team and so this one I thought was was a good one because it's something that is not unique to PR but it's something that comes up a lot in, in PR companies. Um, what happens when you when you have a clashing vision? Um, especially in creative agencies. You know, if you're in a creative business, you have a clashing vision with the client and you, you think that their perspective is is not correct. How do you frame that in a nice way? Keep everyone happy, keep everyone on the same page, but sort of convince them that another direction is the best way to go.
2: You know, you're really, at that point, you're not really dealing with the issue or the specific uh, product or idea at hand. You're dealing with the character and the the mood in front of you, you're, you're you're dealing with the person and the individual characteristics, and I think it's more about playing the man or woman, as the case may be, than it is about the thought or the idea or the brainstorming. What is that person like? So knowing your customer and knowing what makes them tick, uh, you know, really will help that situation. Question is, are they collaborative? Are they dictatorial? Are they, do they think they need to feel like they came up with the idea themselves? Because there's always a way to back into an answer uh, by taking a different approach with people. The The message itself is unimportant. It's the delivery of that message that's really going to get there. So it's, it's all about knowing your client. And the reality is whether it's creative business or otherwise, because uh, in certain cases as we try and help them wade through some of their business uh, decisions day to day, but the question is, they're not always right, and sometimes they have to be wrong, and sometimes you have to agree to disagree. And sometimes, you know, you don't want to say, I told you so afterwards, but hey, when it happens, I told you so. But you better be ready to be told the reverse by your client. If you if they, if they you went out and they kind of had a better idea, then they might say, I told you so, and then you might actually lose a client. I guess how often, you know, when you're sitting there, Dan, and you're you're dealing with the clients and they're creative, because there is no one necessarily right way until you finish the idea. You don't really know sometimes if it's gonna work until you go after it. So then it's a question of are we ready to test it? And are you okay with if it doesn't work, we go the other route? You know, that
1: that you know, are those discussions that you have with your customers as well, Dan? for sure giving them in a uh i mean there're always many options especially in the communications field right i mean uh, there there's a whole bunch of avenues that, that we can go so it's it's easy to sort of come up with maybe even a compromise plan uh saying maybe we'll do a little bit of a and a little bit of b um but uh it's it's tough sometimes because it's uh it's uh it's a highly uh subtle business i guess no question and i think the other thing that can be done is you can give them the
2: consequences hmm. you know if you're wrong this could happen okay uh you know if i'm wrong this could happen uh, or conversely if you're right this could this could be the benefit or not i think spelling out what could happen uh should they be wrong and and maybe the maybe the 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 worst is maybe better than what the best could be uh, or vice versa and maybe that's something that can help turn them around so i think it's it's not just about the idea itself it's the consequences of what could happen afterwards, uh, should something go awry or something be fantastic? And what are the repercussions, especially in the PR game? You know, if you, if you head out with, uh, with a campaign and somehow you've, you, you've just lost it or it went absolutely berserk, um, in a bad way, you really got to pick up the pieces. You know, when they, when they created the, you know, the car Nova, you know, in a different language, that's no go. So, you know, it doesn't really work very well, uh, in different parts of the world. What happens? What are the repercussions? And I think the client, the customer, kind of has to be aware of them and know that, hey, you know what? Okay, going to go with your
1: idea. Fantastic. If this happens. I don't want to say it's on you, but just be aware that it could. All right. If you have uh, any questions as a new entrepreneur, uh, feel free to submit them. Uh, just shoot me a quick email. Um, also, entrepreneurial news of the week, Josh, let's start with chat bots. Uh, this is something, basically an automated automated system. This is using AI to solve business problems.
2: Artificial intelligence, uh, you know, it's uh, virtual reality was a the theme last year. Dan, we've you know, augmented reality, we spoke about that. Artificial intelligence, AI, uh, that's certainly I, I'm I'm sure it's going to be a recurring theme uh, in in this year as we interview a lot of entrepreneurs. Everybody has somehow encountered a chatbot in some way, shape, or form. They might not have engaged with one, but they've encountered one. Anytime there's a little pop-up screen that says, do you want to chat when you, whether you're going through your car dealership or whether you're online at at an Amazon or an online bookstore or whatever, you see this little chat. That chat is not necessarily a person. As a matter of fact, it probably more often than not is not a person. It is a programmed response and the program's is. The programmed responses; these chat box can work. They do interact. They do engage the potential buyer on your site, but you better make sure it works well. You got to make sure it's programmed properly with answers, um, because if it if it doesn't answer properly, then you might not. You may be a little disengaged for that uh, for that potential customer. But they're used very frequently, and they can be programmed. And the artificial intelligence, the technology, is there to help engage your customers further. Other than just letting them go surf the site, they sometimes want to chat. They sometimes want simple answers. What are your store hours? Where can I? What colors do you keep? You can pre-program that so that
1: they can answer it fairly easily. Hmm. Um, more more evidence that I guess the millennials are going to become the on-demand consumers. Uh, even some old businesses that have remained unchanged for decades, like uh, car mechanics, uh, they are modernizing. Well, it's it's not
2: so much the modernizing, but I think what what people are finding is in this world that everybody is running at 100 miles per hour, they don't necessarily have time to go to their mechanics in this particular instance uh, to to have their car fixed. I think what we're finding is that the service industry, the people coming to you to get things done, is going to increase because it's harder and harder to get out for these physical type services that you can't avoid. This article I read is about that. It's about an industry, mechanics in this case, that are coming to you to fix your car, to do maintenance on your car versus you going to the shop. Now the article, it wasn't so much about, you know, the, the service industry going there, it was about the growth that they, because it was such demand, they grew really quickly. You know, they had, I think 75 mechanics in one area. But they realized it was hard to control. Not you couldn't you couldn't maintain the culture. You didn't have, always have the right consistency. And then they scaled back because they really wanted to provide the right and consistent service. So it's all about knowing who you hire. It's not just about looking at a resume, saying, "Okay, you got the skills, go out there." Really, if you want to build your 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 brand properly and you want to protect your reputation, you better hire and align yourselves with the right people and a little due diligence
1: and a little digging will go a really long way. Before we get to our profiles, a couple of partners on today's Entrepreneur this evening. Uh, This is from entrepreneur.com, six things to consider before partnering up. Uh, I'll read the list really quickly, then you can pick out your highlights. Uh, Trust your gut and get it on paper. Uh, Know the partner for at least a year. Uh, Use math, but don't forget the fun. X-ray their brain. Get on the same page up front. And don't be afraid to walk away. Don't be afraid to walk away. I would say
2: trust your, the first and the last, they're all important, don't get me wrong. Trust your gut uh, when when it, when it's when it says something, just ask more questions to either appease yourself or go with it. And don't be afraid to walk away. Even though you've invested, sometimes your first loss is your best loss and move on
1: somewhere else. Coming up, we'll chat with Sharna Zucker and Jacqueline Harris of I Love Tyler Madison, a uh, women's wear portal online. We'll get to their business story in just a second. <coughs> Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you this evening for Today's Entrepreneur. And uh, this evening, we're chatting with Sharna Zucker and Jacqueline Harris of I Love Tyler Madison. Sharna and Jacqueline, welcome to CJD. Hi.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
1: So uh, the first question is the easiest. What is I Love Tyler Madison? Uh, is this someone's uh, boyfriend, perhaps? Or no. Who is Tyler Madison? <laughs> but there is love, I'm sure. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Tyler Madison is our clothing line. It's named after our two rescue dogs. Oh. We donate a portion of all sales to the Montreal SPCA and American sales to the ASPCA. The entire clothing line is vegan and proudly made in Canada.
2: Excellent. Now, Now, do you say clothing line, like, describe a little more who is it who is it for is it for men women t- means miss teens a little a little so so the listener has an idea of where you sell okay it
4: to. it's for women we specialize in bottoms that's pants shorts
3: and skirts and the age range is kind of between 20 to 65 we're toying around with different words most people will consider it a contemporary brand Jacqueline and I constantly feel that that word is just Misused. It's so- too young.
4: People associate contemporary with a younger
3: girl, so we're going more generational. So- we came
4: up with our yeah, our own term, the Tyler Madison generation generational <laughs> TMG. Yeah,
2: there you go.
4: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: not to be confused with TMZ, of course. No. <laughs> only only pants, only bottoms. How come you guys never went for tops? You prefer topless? I don't know.
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> We're staying we're- with what we're good at. Um our our background is more always always has been bottoms Um, we're toying around with some tops this season there's a vest Um, we're hoping to introduce a top that will bring in the entire collection match with a
4: universal top just we want getting ready in the morning to be a no-brainer just easy uh, and where the pants just make you feel good when you I find the hardest thing is what good fitting pants and once you like yourself in your pants everything else is easy shoes top and accessories
2: from your mouth, everything else should be easy. Yeah. So, So wh- where, did, where did this idea come from? Why get into this particular business and why that that vegan? Like, what drove you into this?
4: Well, we noticed we were taking the pants we were making and then having them tailored to fit our specific needs, like a bit of a lower waist and a more narrow body. And our friends started liking them. And we noticed that there was no market for that. Basically... Our pants are a fusion between a legging, we don't like calling them leggings, because they're constructed like a real trouser. So we have the comfort of a legging, it's because they're pull-on, but they look exactly like a real
3: pant real pockets, real belt loops on some of the styles. You can wear them out with heels. You can wear them with flats, running shoes.
4: But there's no, you don't unzip anything or button it up. We call it the top button challenge. No top,
3: no top button. No No. top
4: button challenge when you're a bit bloated and it's uncomfortable. So you don't find that problem with our pants.
2: That's great. Now there is some background you guys were, you know, we're in clothing business at some way, shape or form before you got into this. So, uh, Maybe maybe where from where did you come from from there? You're not rookies in the, clo- in the fashion.
3: No, we grew up uh, working for our family's private label business. Um, I mean, between production, trims, we dabbled in sales, and we kind of took that and fused it, made it our own, and we grew into this. Excellent.
2: Yeah. You know, when we come back, I know there's so much talk
1: about launching a new line, getting the marketing done. We're gonna come back and uh, chat about that after the break. We're joined by Sharna Zucker and Jacqueline Harris of I Love Tyler Madison this evening on Today's Entrepreneur.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: We're chatting with Sharna Zucker and Jacqueline Harris of I Love Tyler Madison, uh, stepsisters actually. This started off as a family business, a division of a, of a larger family company. When did you guys decide to uh, to start your own division, to go off on your own? And uh, and tell me about those, those first few days.
3: Oh, we had talked about it for years and years and years um, when we shared a desk at the reception desk. And... Um it was always just an idea, like almost like a pipe dream. And then, as business started to change and more private label companies started to go under, um, our parents' company actually branched off and opened up a couple different divisions. And it was at that time that we said, "Okay, now's now's a good time."
4: Yeah, we had always wanted to do it, do it, and also something that gives back—fashion with a cause, something involving our doggies. So it was important to us. Yeah.
2: So you'd work with each other before. You kind of had an idea of each other's characters, and you knew you could do this uh, on your own under the same roof without killing each other.
4: Yeah, <laughs> on certain days. Yeah, <laughs> we complement each other. Yeah, yeah very much so, so. So,
2: so the roles that you each have—you know, one more admin, one more design or sales—like, you it's- don't? Do you overlap a lot or not too much?
3: No, we confer with each other, but I think we both each have our strengths and we both focus more independently that way. And if you
2: disagree on something, do you just talk it out? Do you, you know, get out the boxing gloves? I don't know.
4: We scream at each other sometimes. We get into fights. We are sisters. (laughs) (laughs) No, but we're good at problem solving and
3: seeing each other's point of view. And there's never anything really that comes across that's that big that's insurmountable.
2: Now, fashion for a cause very important that is that is something you're you're absolutely passionate about why why fashion for a cause why not just do a line of clothing that you know was just easier to make and you don't have to worry about it why the fashion for a cause
3: i think there's a lot of people in today's day and age that want to give back and it started with our dogs it started with our rescue dogs um all of the fabrics that we search research is vegan and and cruelty free um It also allows people when they buy our product to feel like they're doing something that they're giving back. And that, I think, also helps to set us apart from everybody else.
2: And was it always, did you go in saying, you know what, was it the fashion for cause before there was actually a separate division? I want to do something and must have some social responsibility attached to it and go.
4: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And always with dogs. Mm hmm
3: it was always it it was it, it was kind of like all encompassing it wasn't like let's start with a pet and oh let's make it this and oh let's introduce that it was no whatever we're going to do there's going to be a social responsibility we are going to give back that will be part of who we are what we are
4: we knew our dog's names would be yeah the they're... name of the company we didn't know at the time what it was maybe just Tyler Maddie Maddie Tyler Madison Tyler we we're playing around with it
2: and no question, yeah, the, the name of your company, the name of any company, is hugely important. And of course, it has to mean something to you. It has to mean something to somebody else. It has to be available on a .com because if you want to go online, it has to be available uh, and and connect with a lot of people. So I think the name, not only does it have to meet you know make something or mean something to you, it's got to at some point mean something to the customer. Uh, and of course, that's you know the beginning of any marketing plan. And we'll come back from the break. We'll talk a little bit more about marketing of the product of I Love Tyler Madison, and of course, you know where you're making your goods and kind of the the stuff in the operations behind the scenes. That should be that'll be very interesting.
1: We're joined by Sharonda Zucker and Jacqueline Harris of I Love Tyler Madison. Uh, later on the program, we'll talk about privacy uh, and uh, when it comes to IT systems with Kevin Ammerman from FL. That is on the way. <laughs> 7.35, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Fuller-Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit The Javs Quebec business. Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you. And we're talking uh, with Sharna Zucker and Jacqueline Harris If I Love Tyler Madison. We'll talk about privacy and IT later on in the program with Kevin Ammerman. Uh, but for now, Josh, uh, an interesting company, another example of a family business, uh, the next generation taking over and, uh, and, branching, and out. branching out, starting starting new things from scratch.
2: And you and when you start from scratch, I mean, you're you're essentially building a new brand. So you know the marketing, the branding. What are your first steps? What are your first thoughts that go through your head? What do you What do you do? Kind of first, second, third.
4: That was hard for us because social media and marketing yourself in this day and age is foreign to me. Self promotion, I'm not very good at. And uh, we were lucky enough we hired Stop and Stare PR, and we've noticed a big change in sales and just recognition or brand recognition um, because she took over our social media and she runs it and dealing with influencers, people who you want on social media to wear your items and just gain recognition
3: all over Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Was that the (laughs) plan
2: from the beginning? Did you know you were going to do that from the outset?
3: No, because our background was not in in branded anything. So for us, it's you approach... A retailer here I've got this beautiful line to sell you and they say who on earth are you I've never heard of you and then yeah. you kind of go back scratching your head saying how am I gonna get them to know about me
4: so it's difficult it's a long process because just because you gift 200 really popular girls on Instagram your pants it doesn't mean sales will increase right away It's just to get people to know who you are mm-hmm. Well, so. it's like
2: endorsements, you know, but they're online, yeah. they're social media endorsements and they have followers and that's why they're called influencers. Yeah, right. Go figure. So yeah. <laughs> what about what about other than social media? Are you re- really concentrating on that? Is it a little bit more about your website so people can really see what you're all about?
3: We have a wholesale division. That's how we actually started. The website was almost like a place saver. Um, we have sales representation across Canada and the U.S., their job is to get us into boutiques, try and like, almost like spread our name across, you know, the world, yeah, like the world, like the (laughs) world takeover. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, that doesn't get you anywhere almost. Cause again, it's, you know, are you putting the cart before the horse or what comes first, yeah. the chicken or the egg? So it's almost like you need to be somebody for somebody to want to you. To take you. It's yeah. even hard
4: to, trying to say too, like it's hard to get sales reps even to take on our brand if they don't know who you are. It's just, it's a struggle, but we just keep, you keep at it. Keep so at how it.
2: do you find your sales
3: reps?
4: Word of mouth through other sales reps who finally decide to take us on and then tell other sales reps and that perfor- our product's great. And,
3: and performance. I mean, Sales reps walk shows, they they walk showrooms, and they'll see like, oh, that brand's really busy. Let me see if I can, you know, take a run at it. Um, and then, you know, our PR, our PR firm plays a large role because, again, it's brand exposure, it's brand awareness. So the more people know about you, it's like the more people want you in their boutique. And how do you get it into a boutique? They inquire to us or the company directly, and then we put them on to our sales reps. Right. It's kind like of like full things. circles. Yeah.
2: Speaking of shows, did you engage in going to trade shows and trying to get your brand out there do in that vein?
4: Yeah, that was our biggest mistake. Or do you agree? I would say so. Um, doing a show and not having appointments set up. Because you go to this huge show, whether it be in Vegas or New York, and you're with thousands of other brands. And you're kind of just lost. And nobody comes to really see you. And it's a huge expense. Yes. It's a huge expense. So I wouldn't recommend or advise anyone to do that until they're really established and have a lot of appointments with boutiques or buyers to come and see your stuff at the show.
2: Does it also give you the opportunity to see what the competition is out there? Like how close do you keep yeah. tabs on your competition? Do you feel you have competitors uh, You know, because you're, you're doing something maybe a little bit differently? So, but, so what do you gain or, or what, do, what do you always keep tabs on or how do, you, how do you look at your competition?
4: I always look for how people are branding themselves. At the shows, how their booths are set up, the type of advertising they have, the actual line, the clothes they have. But I haven't found um, a line that's similar to ours in terms of the fusion between leggings and trousers. The hybrid of the baby of Tyler Madison was born. (laughs) I haven't seen anything like that.
2: So does that not make it an easier sell to find sales reps and, you know, to say, listen, we're really unique, we really... Don't have competition.
3: That's scary too, right? Because everyone knows jeans sell well. So, am I going to put my dollars in jeans, or am I going to take a chance on this, you know, little Canadian startup fund, even the company, even though I've. Our goal is to get you in the pants if you get if you try them on you'll love them you will buy them and we feel very very strongly about that
2: and of course fashion for a cause if you're if you're socially responsible well then you'll gain that whole following saying well i I really whether it's you know i i I love my my pets my dogs and i i want to give back to the spca and this is actually a great way
1: to do it Mm -hmm, and possibly look good then then that's uh then that's a a great option too what do you have a profile of your typical client? What kind of woman shops with uh, with I Love Tyler Madison?
4: That's where we said the generational, because we don't like using the word contemporary again, because it's too, it's narrows you Pigeon into hold. yeah a younger woman. But um, our pants are what we love about them. They could one pant could be worn five different ways or seven different ways. It's how you pair it, what shoes you wear, or what top you wear. My mom and I could wear the exact same pant to work. And, but it looks totally different on both of us.
2: You don't check with each other before you leave the house?
4: No. (laughs) We don't live together anymore.
2: (laughs) Right. Now, let's, we only have a few minutes left, but. You mentioned uh, earlier, I think, Sharni, you mentioned it, made in Canada, mm-hmm. where you you really, I, I think you've you focused on making your product locally versus going overseas. Can you talk a little bit more about that and maybe to the whys and, and is that good or bad?
3: Well, it's, it's for a few reasons. So first, it hits on the social responsibility aspect of it. Um, we're helping to increase local jobs. Um, we have an easier time controlling our inventory, budgeting expenses. We can turn... Um, we can turn goods much quicker to adjust to market needs as we see fit. Um,
2: is it also a question because you need to make sure that the clothes are, are, as you say, vegan or have the right materials? Is it easy to control that locally versus maybe having something made in China?
3: That would depend more on the fabric. The fabric is sourced long in advance. Um, it's, it's, we wanted to keep it close to home. We we felt like we would have more control that way.
2: Inventory management. I mean, because that plays yeah. a big role too, especially Huge. when you're yeah. when you're when you're buying sometimes on spec or creating a, a line that you think will sell that maybe not yes. that may not sell. Right. Uh, MOQs, there's, minimum order I was quantities. They're yeah.
3: there's smaller minimums. You yeah. don't have to put in. You don't have to invest a huge, crazy amount six months in advance hoping that, you know, your your thought, your design takes off. You can put in a smaller cut. You can see how it goes. You can put in two, three more cuts throughout the season as you see fit. You is, cannot... that,
2: is that some of the reasons why you didn't go overseas to China? I'm sure there you had some experience, or at least in the family business, you've kind of seen that in the past where, you know, stuff was purchased from overseas from China, and you didn't want to go that route?
3: We also didn't have, like, a huge um, startup fine, like financial background. Mm-hmm. Like we, it, it needed to be kept small. We didn't have massive amount to like throw out six months in advance.
2: Now in the clothing business, quality control, quality assurance is huge. You really got to make sure when you're making your product, it's coming off the line, it's coming off clean, it's coming off, right. It's, it's coming off. I mean, you don't have a lot of parts and moving pieces. Cause as you say, it's, it's one piece. But how important is that? Do you have somebody dedicated to make sure that your your quality is is up to par?
4: Because a boutique may only buy four or five pairs of pants versus what you're used to with private label could be hundreds or thousands. So those four or five pairs, they're really looking at them in every single little detail. So they have to be perfect. So it matters to us a lot that everything's perfect.
2: Now, the technology, is there you know has technology helped you you know when you're when you're putting together your item and your and your pants or your bottoms has that helped a little bit when you're talking with manufacturers locally
3: Yeah, yes and no. It's kind of almost stayed the same other than inventory management. Like there's not much that's changed. You make a pattern, you cut the pattern, you've got the fabric, you send it to the cutter, the sewer it comes back. Where it's really changed for us and why, like where we've tried to get a little bit more technical is in the actual garment itself so it's not just a pull-on it's not just another black pant
4: we have our bum lifter our new concept it's a stitching detail on the back of the pant that accentuates i I might need that myself (laughs) they don't make it for men (laughs) we'll we'll do a custom order for you (laughs) and um we have our um, body shaper now so we have some cool new different technologies that we're introducing just to flatter your figure it looks they look really nice on And we always do a lot of fit tests on different um, shapes and sizes at work to make sure the one pant looks good on everyone. Yeah. I'm a little
1: jealous they don't have a men's line. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up, we'll uh, have Sharna's and Jacqueline's uh, one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. But next, we'll talk about uh, online privacy and IT security with Kevin Kevin Ammerman of FL. That is on the way.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau. Chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on FLMontreal.com.
1: Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur Inspiring Stories from Outstanding Business People. Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you. We'll have... Uh, The one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur coming up uh, before 8 o'clock from uh, Sharna Zucker and Jacqueline Harris of I Love Tyler Madison. But for now, Josh, let's talk about uh, privacy and IT security with our correspondent, Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist at FL. Uh, Welcome back, Kevin. Thank you. And should we begin with our our favorite part? Oh, Uh, yeah, twiddle (laughs) notes this week in
2: data loss or this week in, you know... Privacy being stolen by people, <laughs>
5: <laughs> people, things. There gets privacy is being stolen by everybody. But the the big one that came out this past week was uh, IHG hotels. Um, they got caught. Uh, with some card skimmers not at their front desks but actually in the the bars and where uh any of the uh convenience stores within the hotels so it wasn't the front desk where they were getting the uh the information from people's credit cards but uh in other areas throughout the hotels and apparently it was at least a dozen
2: locations so that was some pretty bad news for travelers uh definitely not but uh you know i guess when you're in a bar buyer beware exactly what else have you got for? Uh, so let's get into privacy now. There's, there's obviously everybody has t- all their information online. Everybody says you know change your passwords often and keep it secret and and don't have the same one two three four five six password for everything. Uh, but but what are you seeing and what are the challenges that entrepreneurs uh, are facing? What, what would you suggest?
5: Well, what we're seeing is that. People are generally behaving better and better. They are taking care of their passwords and they're starting to learn about other ways to protect themselves like two-factor authentication and things like this. But technology is sort of keeping abreast of them. There's there's other ways that information can leak out of systems and uh, despite our best efforts, it's the information seems to be getting away. So another one that sort of relates to our twiddle notes is uh, Visio televisions, for example. Um, these televisions apparently were caught... Uh, sending back information to the manufacturer about what was being displayed on the screens. So they had a database that would analyze the information on the screen and be able to track moment by moment what people were watching on those screens and track it right down to the IP address and the, the location of the television, right down to your street address.
2: Big brother is watching. Quite literally, well, it's, yeah. It's the, it's the collection of big data because that's what's driving all you know what you're seeing on screen and what people want to sell. It's that collection of big data. And what better way than to capture that image and all the pixels of what you're watching at every moment. Right. And we got to trust companies. We have
5: to be diligent and read the user agreements about what we're we're purchasing and the tools that we're using.
2: Because that's but, what everybody does. And license agreements, everybody scrolls to the bottom, clicks OK and moves on.
5: Yeah. And where this one was particularly over the top was there was no mention of this in the terms of the agreement or any of the details of what the televisions were doing. Um, it was just something generic about uh, providing information to better serve you content and there was no content being served; it was purely data being sent back to the mothership to be used against you.
2: Now, what about when people are exchanging uh, data, information by, via email, or or maybe through something that's not encrypted or secure? What would you suggest? Are there are there quick solutions or or packages or software that that companies could use? Well, definitely,
5: you got to be using a, uh, an encrypted email service. So most of the big email services are encrypted these days. So all the commercial ones that we're setting up with businesses are encrypted from end to end. But make sure to take a look at the fine prints. Make sure that uh, you know where your data is being stored, especially if you're in uh, the kind of industry where maybe the location of that data could be subject to seizure for tax reasons or any other reasons. Um, make sure you know who you're dealing with and you know try to get as much detail as you can out of those contracts and agreements.
2: And back up your stuff. Because if it does stuff. get taken or 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 encrypted by somebody else and and held for ransom you never know
5: that's all another kettle of fish entirely but yes backup 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 multiple locations multiple ways of backing up it's all very
1: very important and make sure those backups are encrypted too privacy issues they they never stop more with uh with kevin and we'll have the one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur from sharna and jacqueline after the break
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: We'll have Sharna and Jacqueline's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way, but first chatting with Kevin Hammerman, IT specialist at FL on uh, privacy. And before we come back to Kevin, I'm going to
2: turn, maybe Sharna I can ask you, and you know, from privacy, because you you sell online, and you know you do do collect transactions. What were your first steps? What were your first thoughts, and maybe first questions to make sure that your customers' privacy was protected?
3: So our website developer actually brought it to our attention that there needs to be terms and policy agreements, privacy agreements, and it needs to be legible, visible. Any language we're selling in needs to be there on the website. Um, so we had that. Done verified by a law firm. Um, There was also the issue of we do not keep any credit card or PayPal information on the website anywhere. So, should a customer want a return or an exchange or refund, they would need to re give us their credit card. That's how well. Or I, I think that's pretty much standard in today's society on it, internet it, it should, buying it should be storage. in any. Event. Yeah. It should
2: be in any event. So Kevin, when people are building their website like let let's talk about cloud, you know, how secure is the cloud? I know it's a very it's almost a stupid question, but for for the for the general layman out there, when people say, Okay, I'm buying stuff online, they're keeping it. Is there a question of security? Is there a question that they should be concerned about if stuff is kept in the cloud versus on a on a server, on a hard server?
5: Um, yeah, for sure. So we I think that we're using the right model here. So it's sort of making the payment processing somebody else's problem. It's not the, the owners of the store that are, are processing the payments. They're passing that off to somebody else. And that's that's where the, the business owner's responsibility is, is in making sure they're dealing with a reputable company um, to process these payments and that things are following sort of standard and recognizable procedures so that when people do request a refund, they don't have to jump through crazy hoops or anything like that. And they don't have to give up more information than they really should be. Um, they should be able to just you know, give their invoice number and the method of payment and get refunded, and that's about it.
2: And quickly, cloud versus a dedicated server?
5: Uh, it's really rare that we see, especially small businesses, with their own dedicated sort of payment processing. Um, it's all in the cloud now. Um, and that's that's the best way to do it. Deal with a big company, let them sort of assume the risk, and then it's going to cost you a few cents per transaction in order for them to assume that risk. But the liability that you're avoiding is a, is a big deal. It's really best avoided.
2: Excellent. Thank you very much, Kevin. I'm sure there's lots more we can talk about privacy and protecting your data, but uh, we're going to move on as we approach the last moments of our show. We'll turn to Sharna and Jacqueline and ask them each, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? Jacqueline?
4: It may sound cheesy, but don't give up. We've heard a lot of no's along the way from no's from sales reps, boutiques, majors, and we just keep on trying. It's almost like I told Sharna you're an actor and you're going to auditions and they just keep saying no. But don't give up and just keep trying.
2: And don't stop believing. Exactly, right?
4: like the journey song.
2: <laughs> she yeah, wanted to totally. break out in song, but she didn't. She was too shy. <laughs> I'm
3: too shy. Next time, <laughs> sharna. Um, I would say make sure you've got a concrete budget. Make sure you don't go over budget because it's really hard to come up from that.
2: No question. And and, and Dan, you know we've we've only heard a little bit of the story tonight. Uh, you know because there's so much, even though they've only been a, around a few years. But there's no question they. They really, I think the social responsibility aspect, we couldn't cling to enough. There's a, there's, there's not, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that do that, but more often than not, we don't hear about the social responsibility reasons behind the company, behind the efforts. And I think that is as a huge, you know, kudos to you, to you ladies for doing that. I think, uh, it's, it's very important. It gives a, a person, a customer, a reason why to go and buy your product. And there's
1: not always that, that proper reason why. So Excellent, excellent on you for that. Sharna Zucker and Jacqueline Harris of I Love, Tyler, Tyler Madison. Thanks for stopping by, guys.
3: Thanks so Thank much for you. having us. Thank you for having us.
1: Thanks as well to Kevin Ammerman, uh of the IT Chat from FL. And next week on the program, Josh, we'll uh, chat about hockey. Ball actually. hockey. Yeah. Rink. I played In there normal. myself. Should be fun. We'll chat with the guys from Larink To listen to past episodes of Today's Entrepreneur, check out the community section at flmontreal.com. And good night.